Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Real Talk. I'm your host, uh, the mediocre Joseph Kaplan. Uh, I don't know why I just insulted myself right there, but you know, I'd be like that. Uh, I'm also here with the uh, infectious Peter Kosanovich. Oh, wow. Infectious. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. We'll I'm go with that. <laughs> just trying to think of new words every week, man. I'm going to I'm gonna start using going to the thesaurus and just using words I've never heard of. Uh, I thought you were about to say you're going to the thrift store. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. Go to the thrift store. <laughs> we'd, be, like, we'd be thrifting. Buy, we'd be- <laughs> buy, buy, buy a thesaurus at the thrift store. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's 2019 and I'm going to the thrift store to buy thesauruses. A thesaurus I mean, you know. or thesauri? Would you say th- what's the plural of thesaurus? Uh, Sorries. Uh, uh, you know what? You know what? It's a random aside. We're, we're we're it's only the two of us today, and we're already sidetracked. But we're bringing it back. Uh, yes. So unfortunately, uh, Julie cannot join us this week. She just moved to uh uh back up to cleveland she's gonna correct me next week because i think it actually is akron or or something not cleveland but we're gonna generalize it to cleveland because that's a major area um and has a lot that she has to do in order to keep up with life and not get completely swallowed up so she will be back with us next week to talk about toy story 4 because this week i actually did the research to know what is upcoming next weekend uh, versus figuring it out at the end of the episode. Um, she'll be that back next week, and y'all will have way more fun when you don't have to just listen to the two of us talk for 45 minutes. Uh, so, but we're going to make the best of it <laughs> and talk about the latest trailers, uh, as well as quickly talk about the film that the big film that came out this past week, which was Men in Black International, and then talk about some news. Uh, so thank you for joining us. And hope you all have fun listening to two white dudes talk about films for a while. All right. <laughs> right. Anyway, man, I don't know why I'm insulting us so much. I mean, we're really, there's nothing you wrong with You know what? I'm it. going with it, though. I mean, yeah. sometimes you just got to crap on yourself, and I will gladly like, go along for that ride. You can crap on me as well. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was it, was it Julie last week pointing out that uh, I take you way too much for granted because you haven't missed a week yet? Uh, and, and the first week that you do, I'll be like that person who like doesn't realize what he has until they're, until it's gone. And they'd be like, Oh, I miss Peter. <laughs> yeah. All, all, all of a sudden you're gonna be like, wait, where, who updated the production notes? Like, why aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why aren't they updated? I don't know what we're talking about this week. I know, I know nothing. <laughs> anyway, uh... anyway, trailers this week. Uh, we had a couple trailers come out. It's kind of a quiet week for trailers. Um, the uh, the big one is Frozen 2. Uh, if you're not familiar with Frozen and the fact that there's a sequel coming, uh, I'll just let you wake yourself up from the rock you've been living under or sleeping under for the better part of, I don't know, five years, uh, six years. Um, then we also have a new trailer for Doctor Sleep, which is the official sequel question mark it is like the official sequel for the shining or is it uh, uh in spirit sequel to the- i'm i'm not entirely sure uh from from what i've gathered um the uh the director um uh F- flanagan is his last name right yeah 
Um, from what I, from what I, uh, Mike Flanagan is the name coming to my mind right now. Um, but from what I can gather, uh, or from what I, what I've heard, uh, he took the script to both, uh, Stephen King, uh, and the Kubrick estate and had approved by both. So it is kind of a sequel to the book and kind of sequel to the movie, uh, but not fully a sequel to either one. Um, because if people aren't aware, Stephen King is not really wild about the Stanley Kubrick movie. Um, so take that for what you will. I think it's like kind of a sequel to both, but not really a sequel to either. Interesting. Uh, well, it stars Ewan McGregor and as the, the kid, the grown up kid on the bicycle in the shining movie. Um, uh, it's really good. You should check that out. But the, uh, film that whose trailer came out this week that I want to talk about is, uh, called official secrets which debuted at Sundance this year and is making the rounds at film festivals uh, all across the country, uh, coming t- uh, to a wide release in mid to late August, it looks like. Um, it is. It stars Kira Knightley, which is always a good start. Uh, also has Ralph Fiennes in it, Matthew Good in it, Matt Smith. Actually, you want me to correct you on his name too? Yeah, go ahead. I knew I was going to get wrong. Rafe Fiennes. Rafe Fiennes? There's an yep. L. It's not French. Nope. It is it British. Is, it is, it Briti- is Rafe, not Ralph. I promise you. It is Rafe okay. Fines. I'll take, I'll take your... I'll, uh, he must He must have a, a French ancestor or something because as far as I know, the, the Brits like to pronounce their consonants, but I guess he doesn't. Uh, I learn something new every day. But it's a story about uh, Kira Knightley plays um it looks like some member of the british intelligence who is a whistleblower it seems to surround though i can't cannot confirm but it seems to surround the story of the uh infamous interview that british intelligence did of a i want to say serbian spy i'm going back in my brain right now uh dealing with the iraq war and like this this spy said that uh, Iraq had weapons of mass destruction uh, after he was like tortured essentially for uh, forever, and it was a very faulty uh, interview. And the, there was someone who blew the whistle and said, "Hey, you know, you can't trust this this interview because it was uh, elicited very poorly." Um, and I think that's what this story is about, which makes me very excited for it. Even though it didn't stop us from going to war in Iraq, it it still was the ultimate thing that um, defeated Tony Blair once, uh, or that toppled him. Um, it was a big deal in Britain, even though it wasn't a big deal in America. But I'm excited to see that. Uh, the other trailer that came out this week was for Yellow Rose, which Peter is excited about. You want to talk about that one? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to jump back to Official Secrets for, like, one second Um, say that it's it's nice to see Keira Knightley in, like, a quality, like, award-type movie that is, or potential award-type movie that is uh, not um, not a period piece. Like, yes, we're jumping back, like, 15 years or something like that, but, like, <laughs> yeah, that's she's not wearing a corset. It's kind of it's kind of awesome, like, to see her, like, in, like, contemporary, so that's kind of cool. All right, don't um, don't be hating on Atonement that much. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, so so the movie um, I'm going to talk about, though, the trailer is, uh, it's called Yellow Rose. Um, the trailer came out earlier this week, um, and uh, it, it actually, like, 
man, I don't know who did the marketing for this, but it they dropped that trailer at the exact right time. Um, so the story is uh, about um, it, it, it's uh, it's about an immigrant girl and uh, and her mother, and uh, I, I believe they're living in Texas, maybe. And um, her her mother is. Uh, an illegal immigrant, I believe the daughter is too, and uh, the mother is apprehended and and um, going to be deported. And it's kind of a musical, um, sort of. It, it uh, the 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 lead singer seems to be attached to to country music um, in in some in some way, and so she kind of uses that as her kind of vehicle to get past her mom being being um, apprehended and then going to be deported. And so it looks really sweet, like very intimate like i mean sweet tragic um like kind of very intimate um family story but whoever did the marketing for this like whoever like decided to drop this trailer like when they did did really really smart uh because um the so so the mother is played by uh leah salonga who uh people would know her as the singing voice for mulan in the animated mulan movie and uh princess and the singing voice for, for princess jasmine in uh, the 1992, is, is that the year? 1992 Aladdin movie, the animated one. You got it. You got it. Good um, job. Sweet. Thanks. Um, so that's the mother. And then the uh, the lead, um, the daughter, is played by Ava uh, Noblezada, who I hope that I pronounced that correctly, um, who she uh, is, is currently starring on Broadway in Town, which just took home the Tony Award for Best Musical. So, uh, Hades Town won the Tony last weekend. She was doing all that stuff. And then like three days later, the trailer for this dropped. So, uh, good job for that marketing team. Um, and about a month ago, this film took, uh, uh, took the grand jury prize at the Asia Asian Pacific film fest. So it's, 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 it's making rounds. I, I don't know how much dent it'll make come like award season at the end of the year, but it's, it's making some decent rounds. Um, so, and it's, it's, Seems like a good important story, so I'm I'm excited about that one. Yeah, I could see I could see this making uh making the rounds and doing a limited release right at the end of the year, um because it's definitely, I mean it, it's it's a story. I mean the the trailer will make you feel emotions alone. It's very hard, at least for my cold heart, to feel emotions when watching a trailer, and I was feeling it on this one. I mean it, the story looks incredible, uh, and it is a great trailer too. Um, and it definitely screams uh, a very deserving awards film. Um, so hopefully the the marketing team is as good as the distribution team and keeps it in our cultural consciousness until uh, December, and then uh, they really throw it down, th- throw it down uh, at that point and uh, get some uh, get some awards love. But we shall see. Uh, definitely, definitely check that one out. Um, check check that uh that trailer out because it is a phenomenal phenomenal trailer um anyway with the big movie to come out this week is a another sequel uh if if we want to call it big (laughs) yeah well we'll get to that part too but uh our new franchise film uh is from this past weekend is men in black international and i'm very excited about this part this is the part where you will hear a snippet of the Men in Black trailer because I am figuring out how to do podcasts. We are a rumor, recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. We are the best kept secret in the universe. I know. 
I want in. You erased my parents' memories, but you didn't get mine. It took me 20 years to find you. How many people can say that? I found you, which makes me perfect for this job. All right. Yeah, there you go. I'm figuring out trailers, man. I hope uh, I hope you feel good. I hope you're proud of me, Peter. You're so you... proud. <laughs> you're so, so proud. <laughs> that that means that means the world to me. Oh, I'm going to cry. Anyway, that's that me figuring that out is probably better than the actual film uh, because the film is ugh, it's 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 fine. It's it's fine. And I wanted I wanted more than fine given who's in it. You've got Chris Hemsworth in a film where he's trying to separate himself from Thor, even though there are some Thor jokes in here, which were both were as as funny as they were frustrating because it's like if you want to separate yourself from Thor, you don't make jokes about Thor, but whatever. Uh, also, Tessa Thompson's in it. I love Tessa Thompson. She needs to be in every film ever. But here she's essentially playing herself, which I'm fine with. But there was not a whole lot of heart to her performance, which is genuinely disappointing because this is her first really big franchise or, you know, quote unquote big franchise uh, performance um, that would, if it had been successful, would vault her into, you know, the firmly into A-list status. But Unfortunately, it's not going to do that. And then also, the director of this film is F. Gary Gray, the one and only. This is like essentially he did he did Straight Outta Compton, and then did The Fate of the Furious, and now Men in Black International. So he's like ever since Straight Outta Compton, which I think is one of the most influential films of the last of this decade. Uh, he's gone downhill. Uh, with his last two films, and yes, I did just say the Fate of the Furious was not the greatest film ever made. <laughs> well, he's, he's he's been around for a while. Yeah, too. Um, I mean, he's like, been around he did, way uh, before that. But he, he did. Correct me if I'm wrong. He did, he did Friday back in the day, right? With was that with Chris? Yeah, Chris yep. Rock or no? No, Chris Tucker. There we go. Chris Tucker and Ice Cube, right? Uh, Chris Tucker and Ice Cube. That sounds right. You are correct, sir. Yeah. Bye, Felicia. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. that movie. In case yep. listeners didn't know. Yep. Uh, he also did the Italian job. He did, uh, let's see. Oh shoot. That was him. Okay. Yeah. yeah that yeah. was, a, that's a good one. Yeah. That was his, that was his, especially at that point, that was a pretty big deal for, I mean, unfortunately, but in 2003, it was a big deal for a black director to be handed a big franchise like that. But, uh, and he did a great job with it. The Italian job was a great, great, great film. Um, yeah. but, but we digress. We digress. Um, yeah, straight out he did. Then he did straight out of Compton. Now, Fair the Furious. Now, Men in Black International. Which, for given him his his name on it, the and the stars attached, I really wanted to like this. Uh, I really, really wanted to like this, and I just, I I just never felt the energy. Because there, the, there was none. There's no. I mean, the, there was hardly any chemistry between Hemsworth and Thompson. Uh, there's very little energy in the film at all until, and I always screw up his name, uh, Kumail Nanjiani showed up. Um, did I get it right, Peter? Kumail uh, Nanjiani. 
That I sounds right. So. Yeah. Kumail Nanjiani. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that one is a tough one. I'm pretty sure you got that one right. Um, yeah. When he shows up as this little, he calls himself Pawnee, this little tiny alien fella who's super cute. Uh, the film got so much better because he brought a lot of genuine inspired humor to the role uh, while Chris Hemsworth is just being Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson's just being Tessa Thompson. Um, so that was, but he doesn't show up until like halfway through the film. Um, so the first half, you're just kind of sitting there. I laughed like once or twice and none of the action is shot particularly well uh, to make me think, oh, it's a fun action movie. I don't need to laugh. Um, and then, yeah, I know. It's like, there's just there's just nothing really going for it until Pawnee does show up and then he makes it then he makes it funny and then I guess and then Rebecca Ferguson shows up and she is having a blast and I love her. Um and then there's I guess kind of a decent twist at the end. Uh I will say I got I got thrown off. I wasn't expecting the bad guy to end up being who the bad guy was and it's partially because of some of the casting. There was there is some good casting within the supporting cast to th- to at least for us movie buffs to throw us off as to who the bad guy might be. So I guess that is all why I'm saying I give it a 5 as as opposed to a low number cuz I just spent most of my time bashing that film. Um <laughs> I guess the I costumes are cool. I mean, the the aliens look good. So, but I mean, it's a, it's 2019. I would expect a big budget uh, film with aliens to have aliens that look good in it. Uh, but still, I mean, it it it's just fine. And it's the fourth film in this franchise, and people are definitely frustrated uh, and tired of franchise films, which leads us into the news with my flawless transition. Uh, We'll talk about the box (laughs) office uh, first and say uh, this past week, as it showed at the box office, uh, Men in Black International debuted with uh, 28 million, which is abysmal for- Very, very underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, for a, a fourth film in this franchise, that's an abysmal number, especially because the production budget for Men in Black International was $110 million. Um, it'll be saved by overseas. Uh, it opened with $73 million overseas, so it's already at like Only 100. barely, though. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's when you, when you need overseas to save you that much, I mean, when you're not even going to get close to your production budget domestically, I mean, that's... That's definitely a flop. I mean, that's definitely like, like the, the Hollywood executives have decided that that is a flop, and that yeah. joins. Well, I mean, oh, go ahead. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So what I was gonna say is that, like, in order for money to to make to, to really make money, it essentially has to earn double its production value because you have to because there's a production budget, but then you have to almost double that for marketing, um, for whatever they spend on marketing, whether it's posters or trailers or or TV spots or uh, and getting those onto screens or into theaters, like that, that all costs money. So for this movie to to make money, like what you say, the production budget was one hundred and ten million. One hundred and ten, yeah, yeah. So for it to make money, uh, the the studio would have to 
or for the studio to make money, they would have to get, would have get to... like 200, 220 million. Yeah. And right now it's at 73 overseas. Like, yeah, it's at 105 million between the two or 103. Yeah. It's not, yes. it's not great. And there was, there was definitely a marketing budget behind this. Um, there yeah, are a lot. Was. Yeah. There's a lot of trailers. I saw them in the NBA finals. They put a lot of previews in front of that. They put, they put the trailer in front of felt like every film. I, I saw the trailers a ton at, at cinemas. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's bad. And it joins uh, Dark Phoenix uh, here in the last, what, the last two weeks or whatever of, of sequels that have uh, tanked at the box office. And I really, I feel like we are getting to a turning point. Uh, quick update: At this point, Dark Phoenix has made two hundred four million dollars total, but domestically it has made fifty two million, which is, yeah, not also not great. Um, yeah, I think I think fifty two million is how much Apocalypse opened to in its first weekend. Um, so it's, it's something like that, and also all the other Men in Black films have all opened to fifty million plus in their first weekends. Uh, all three of the previous Man in Black f- films. Um, so yeah, I really I feel like we 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 are getting to a turning point with big budget films that like there are a couple franchises that work: uh, Fast and the Furious, uh, Mission Impossible. Um, I mean, Marvel will be able to do whatever it wants, uh, <laughs> but like, I mean, beyond that, I, I really feel like we are. I mean, there's always a couple that surprise, but for every two or three that surprise, there's ten lying in the in the depths of of mediocrity. And I think sooner or later, Hollywood cinema is going to have to reach a point uh, where they where they try to adjust what they're doing because it's not their current formula is not working. But Peter, did you uh, have any thoughts on this subject? Yeah, I mean, like, like part of me is, of course, like, all, all like, I, I feel bad for for the actors, the director, and like everyone who worked on the film, because of course they all wanted to do well, like they wanted to perform well, they want people to enjoy it. But at the same time, it, it, like, like I'm 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 kind I'm kind of ha- happy this is happening. I'm kind of glad because like, it it seems like audiences are, are kind of wising up to. Um, I I won't necessarily say good movies because there's still a lot of like crap movies that make a lot of money but it seems like they're they're wising up to what movies are just a cash grab so i mean like if there's a crap movie and it's like an original movie or like uh type thing people yeah people are like yeah okay cool i'll go see that but if like because i mean like we've been seeing this for a few years now where like a sequel uh like just it, it like even the trailers look like fine they they look okay. They they don't they don't look overly inspired. So like Men in Black International or Independence Day Resurgence, like like come on guys, the, like those look bad from the trailers, and then they were bad. They people could tell they were just a cash grab. Like no one cared, and so no one saw them because they can't recapture kind of that magic of the original one. And like at least Men in Black, like the like the first two sequels, the things that the the thing that they had going for it was that they still had the same stars. They still had Will Smith come back and people will go see Will Smith. They love him. And it also had, um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, like people like him well enough. So like you had, you had returning people, this was brand new people. And like, while they are, uh, 
uh, while they're well enough known, they're not they're not driving butts to seats like people people like Chris Hemsworth because he's Thor. People don't like Chris Hemsworth because he's Chris Hemsworth exactly. as much as I think he's exactly. entertaining. Like so so like and Dark Phoenix like that movie was just riddled with issues for like its entire production and then like like eventual reshoots and they were trying to readapt a story that they'd already failed to do one time so it's like nothing was really working with that one and that one was still trying to like that that one was still trying to get you to like a cast when you were like ah no but we saw like we already had like a great cast like we we liked we liked Hugh Jackman and we liked Patrick Stewart and we liked Ian McKellen and then like when they recast everyone for for first class they were like okay cool we did a really great job casting Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy like sweet great job like you managed to get those two roles correct everyone else and it's like they're fine they're good they're enjoyable but like they don't they don't stick with you quite the same way and then like after days of huge past like when all the old cast was gone entirely you get into apocalypse and everyone knows that movie wasn't good so what faith did they have in this one? It just yeah. So I think audiences are wising to what's a cash grab and what's what's like just kind of doomed and not worth their time. Yeah, I I don't understand why they keep giving Simon Kimberg shots at this franchise, and I I don't mean to I don't I don't mean to just pick on one person in particular, but Simon Kimberg did come out after Dark Phoenix bombed and like apologized and took the blame, which. Kudos to him for being like, yo, guys, yeah. this one's on me. Like, mad kudos for that. Uh, but, like, this guy's past couple credits include Fan Four Stick, X-Men Apocalypse, Dark Phoenix. Uh, I think he wrote... I, he, didn't, didn't he... Oh, no. That, no, never mind. I was about to say, didn't he do uh, Love, Simon? But that was Greg Berlanti. Wrong no, guy. yeah, no, no. He did He did uh, Days of Future Past. Granted, that one was good. Before that, then, was This Means War, which... I enjoyed, but nobody else did. Um, and I only enjoyed it because I enjoy those actors that are Chris Pine and um, Tom Hardy. Um, but yeah, and then it's like, yeah, I don't understand. He also did like uh, uh, The Last Stand, which is like, re- you know, widely renowned as the worst uh, worst X-Men film. Like, why is this guy getting all of these chances in, in this franchise? It's like, I mean, it's just, to me, it shows it's it's someone like once you get in in hollywood it's so easy to stay in it's like, easy to stay in and and like he he was he, he was very passionate about x-men so it wasn't like people were trying to get rid of him um but i think now now that disney owns now that disney owns fox there's not a chance they're keeping simon kinberg on he's gone yeah also, this is the moment that I would like to take uh, take a second and remind you that Brian Singer directed X-Men Days of Future Past. If you're wondering why I'm reminding you that Brian Singer directed X-Men Days of Future Past. And Apocalypse and the first two X-Men movies. Yeah, yeah. Wolf. Uh, we're wondering why. It's because this week, Brian Singer uh, dis- uh, settled one of his... Uh, 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 one of the people that were accusing him of rape uh, settled for $150,000 with this person. Um, and I think he still has – he still has a couple people – I mean he has a ton of people that accused him of uh, sexual misconduct. Uh, I do not remember off the top of my head, unfortunately, how many people accused him of rape. I think it was more than a couple. Um, he is a vile, 
vile, vile individual. Um, I mean, and it, one of the many reasons why I was furious with Bohemian Rhapsody getting as much accol- as many accolades as it did, and then everyone just like their their res- their solution for Brian Singer being like just pretend let's just pretend he doesn't exist let's just pretend that bohemian rhapsody was not direct or was directed by nobody <laughs> like and then we just showed up on the set every day and just were like someone just kind of held the just said go and we started and just yeah then we made a mil- movie that way uh, well, he was fired from that one so, uh dexter yeah. fleck was it dexter fletcher took over the, to finish it yeah i don't re- really remember but i, yeah. I was i i mean these accusations came out against Brian Singer long before he got fired by uh, Rami Malek on, on Bo Rap. And the reason he got fired was because Rami Malek didn't like working with him, not because of the multitude of accusations against him. So I don't care. Um, and Bohemian Rhapsody sucks. And if you liked it, you're wrong. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> After I just alienated, like, you know everyone in the audience um we'll do a couple of little quick bits on the news um uh something we didn't get to last week uh quentin tarantino is co-writing uh django zorro crossover film based on a comic book he wrote um so that's cool uh django unchained slash zorro like the legend of zorro peter am i getting that right those two? Yeah, yeah. Huh? Uh, yeah, that's, like the, like the old cool. <laughs> Masked Hero. Uh, apparently, he wrote a comic book about it after Django came out, which I was not aware of. But apparently, he's writing a crossover film based on it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, also, uh, with, on the uh, I was about to say with seamlessly transitioning that uh, Guillermo del Toro piece, but that doesn't work. But we're still doing it. Uh, Bradley Cooper is in talks to join the latest Guillermo del Toro film, Nightmare Alley. Also, Olivia Wilde and John Hamm have joined Clint Eastwood's new film, Richard Jewell. Sigh. Uh, also, Russian Doll finally got renewed for season two at Netflix. Good. Um, yeah, I know. It took them long enough. Uh, Netflix did a very rare thing and released some viewing figures to show that When They See Us uh, is their single most watched title uh, every day since its release on May 31st. Uh, am, I, am I getting that right? So over the last 18 days, it's been the single most watched entity yeah. on the platform. Yeah. So for the past 18 days since when they since when they see us got released, it has been the most watched thing every single day. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, I just- yeah, and I'm I'm halfway through it. I'm proud to say I'm I'm watching it. Uh, well, and I love it. It's great. Um, this is coming from someone who like doesn't watch any TV. I watched Chernobyl last week, and now I'm going through When They See Us. Uh, they're yeah. both phenomenal. When and they When They See Us, parts of it parts of it are hard to watch, but like it's intentionally you got, you got to so. Through it. It's, it's 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 intentionally so. Yeah. It's, it's 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 powerful. Go watch it. Yeah. Um, and then also Netflix news. Uh, Gina Davis uh, from Thelma and Louise and A League of Their Own was cast in season three of Glow on Netflix and. Unfortunately, that's just another show I have not seen, but looks phenomenal, and that's a great cast casting. I can't wait. Um, and also, yeah, Boondocks animated series. Re- I'm sorry. <laughs> so this is one of the many things that uh, Peter is uh, very um, irreplaceable for. 
he in our little production notes as I'm going through these, he <laughs> is moving uh, his um, like what, what his little cursor over over each note uh, to give me seamless transitions into the next point. Well, you're not going linearly, so I'm not sure like what you're going to next or what you might miss. So I'm just like, you know what? Yeah, I'm but go you're with helping. That one. He didn't do it. You're gonna go with that one. He didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, but you're you're helping because it's like, oh yeah, that works because because isn't uh, Boondocks on Netflix? Are we still in Netflix content, or am I nope, missing? No, we're not on Netflix nope. content anymore. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, we'll just, you know what? All right. Sometimes you have to look yourself in the mirror and say, "When in Rome." Anyway, Boondocks. <laughs> I I, I want to say Boondocks. I thought for yeah, sure go, it was on go Netflix. For it, go for it. But yes, uh, it's yeah series reboot in the in the works in the roots in the works from the original creator Aaron McGruger. Obviously, I've not seen Boondocks, but Peter added that. Uh, so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, if if I'm correct, um, the Boondocks originally aired on Adult Swim. That sounds that. right. That sounds I think right. It aired on Adult Swim, and I think Aaron McGruder is the same guy who did uh, Afro Samurai, which was Samuel Jackson voicing a black samurai, which sweet. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the Boondocks is basically like, okay, cool. What if we made an anime type series set in a predominantly black neighborhood, and it's weird. It's good. It's bizarre. I. I I didn't have cable to keep up with it at the time, but like every time I would see bits and pieces here and there, I'd be like, this is hilarious and weird and like beautifully odd. Um, and it's uh, it's also like incredibly memeable. You can just like find a million and a half memes for it online. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Um, also, not Netflix, but it's on Hulu. So that's, ah, okay. yeah, that's where I was thinking. I mixed up my streaming platforms. Also um, now owned by Disney. Yeah, because yeah, they own freaking everything now. Um, anyway, other news. Well, first off, uh, Peter, is there anything from the bits that I just... <laughs> thanks for highlighting that one. We're getting to it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But is there anything that from what I just mentioned that you wanted to talk about? Or should we just keep going with the, uh, with the tidbits? Uh, yeah, just kind of quick spot. So, uh, Russian Doll again, it's on Netflix. Yes. It's like 10, uh, like eight to 10 episodes, something like that. Uh, it's like this weird, surreal, dark comedy, um, starring Natasha Lyon or Lyon, um, who was in the first American Pie movie. And then she got, uh, like really well known again for being in Orange is the New Black. Uh, but so this is a show that she created, uh, and produces, um, alongside Amy Poehler of all people, but it's like this weird, surreal, dark comedy in New York City um, that's kind of like Groundhog Day, but real dark comedy and surreal. Uh, go for it. It's really enjoyable um, and existential. Um, that's, uh, yeah, that, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how Boondocks comes back because um, I'm, always, I'm always rooting for animated things uh, to, to do well because I don't think animation gets enough credit for anything. But Peter, I, I I just want to talk about Disney when it comes to animated things. There's there's nothing else that matters to me other than Disney animated works. <sighs> you attack <laughs> my soul. Uh, don't worry, I'll see myself out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
Anyway, uh, other news. Uh, yes, uh, something that just happened today. A joy of us recording on Monday as opposed to Sunday. Uh, earlier today, Warner Media officially won the bidding war for J.J. Abrams' production company, Bad Robot, reported to be worth five hundred plus million dollars. Um, so obviously, that's big. That's big news. Uh, Warner Media has been. They need, wait, wait, no, it was Universal that had that the issues last week. But um, Warner has had issues with um, budgeting because they've been trying to find the money to be able to give J.J. Abrams $500 plus million. Um, but at least they didn't have it revealed that uh, part of the building, uh, part of a fire uh, had, you know, we lost like as many uh, masters as we did and nobody knew about it after it happened like 11 years ago. So at least they're not universal right now, but um, yeah, that's big news. Uh, I mean, I personally am like, whatever, cool, fine. I think JJ Abrams is a little overrated, but that's in part because of our opinions on uh, star Wars. Um, that's that. No, that's completely fair. Yeah. I, I think that I think the thing that surprises me most about this is that JJ has an in with Star Wars and Disney right now, and yeah. it was Warner that bought his studio. That's yeah. the thing that's like I'm like, whoa, you didn't? Okay, cool. Hey, I mean, it seems like the overall trend I see is Disney does something and then Warner tries to copy it. So, uh, I mean, it's just more more of the same with that. Uh, but true. Yeah. Also. Um, a little bit of news overseas. Uh, the Shanghai Film Fest pulled their opening night film, the 800, like the day before uh, it was supposed to go on, which is a little bizarre. Uh, I was reading a little bit about the story, which is kind of a wild, wild story. You should check it out on Variety. Um, it, uh, apparently, this has happened before. It usually happens because, uh, like the, because of censorship. Uh, somebody uh, higher up uh, it looks at the film and is like, no, oh, you know what? Uh, we don't want this. Uh, we don't want uh, Shanghai to show it. So we're going to pull it. And they've done like. What is the 800 about? I actually missed out on the story. Do you, uh, do you know what it's about, the film? Uh, I do not really. Um, I'm looking here. This It looks like a pretty big budget uh, film made in China by by an established Chinese director. Um and I'm looking now, it looks like there's a Chinese research group that may have caused the cancellation of this premiere. Um, this sounds like a deep dive that I should not take on this podcast. But they cited due uh, to technical reasons, and uh, they've like people immediately were like, yeah, that's not true. Um, oh. But- yeah, yeah. They've when they've done that in the past, it's because of censorship. But okay, no, I think okay. Go. I, oh. I think I, okay. Yeah. So, um, so kind of the 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 headline for the, for the Variety article is big, big budget war action film The Eight Hundred may have fallen afoul of a committee dedicated to maintaining the purity of communist history. So, in case you weren't aware, uh, mainland China is communist, or sort of. I did like, I didn't know that. Holy crap. Yeah, right. Uh, no, yeah, they're, they're like this weird, like, communist capitalist hybrid because China owns the world. Yeah. Go with it. Go with it. Um, but yeah, so, so censorship. They, they pulled it because so of censorship. censorship. But, but there's a little bit more to it that is not uh, in, in the variety headline. And that is that um, this past week, um, there was a huge uh, set of protests and demonstrations 
um, in uh, in Hong Kong, um, advocating uh, for uh, I guess like secession or like extradition. China. It yeah, was extradition. it was extradition to mainland China. Yeah. So with that going on this past week, uh, I can understand why uh, Shanghai would do that the night before, because if it's already like kind of if they were already like kind of questionable about it, then it going on concurrent to protests in Hong Kong would have caused them to uh, get cold feet real fast, I bet. Interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a wild story. I mean, imagine imagine if Can had pulled the dead don't die like. 24 hours before uh before it was supposed to release and instead just showed like <laughs> a documentary on uh oh wait it's what did they put it in its place they put uh i, I mean I'm, I'm only making these con- i'm only making this connection because I, I have a friend who was in hong kong at those uh at the demonstrations at the protests so like it was immediately in my head and like oh that's probably what it is yeah yeah, but uh, a, a restored 4K version of Midnight Cowboy will play instead. What a what a what a trade off. I mean, nothing against Midnight Cowboy, but yeah, like imagine if if Can had been like, yeah, we're not gonna show uh we're not, we're not gonna show the dead don't die. Instead, you're gonna get this. Re- we're gonna we're gonna move up the Rambo uh, uh the Rambo screening to opening night because we hate you. Please die. <laughs> like, yeah, that. Oh. Which I, for those those that, that want to be in on the joke uh with with what I just said uh I, the the Rambo screening was something that happened while we were while I was there during our three days and they extended so like it was a it was a gala which meant you had to be in a tux and like be all dressed up and do all the fancy stuff and like walk up the red carpet so you get to like feel like a star so it's a very rare exclusive thing to do at can for us three days and can accolade people uh so we would have to request pe- uh, passes to do to do those galas and um the the rambo one nobody wanted to go to it and even though sylvester stallone was like emceeing the whole thing like nobody wanted to go to it so we got an email like three hours before the, the event was supposed to happen me like, Hey, if you want to go, you can go like anyone can go to this. Cause they literally, they, like so few people had requested passes for it. They didn't, they oh. weren't, they weren't going to fill up the, the lamel. So <laughs> yeah. <Sly. laughs> yeah. So it's like, that's the trade off here at, in Shanghai to go from, to go from this, uh, war epic, uh, that this big budget new war film, a big war epic, to a 4K restored version of Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> That's so random. Uh, <laughs> so okay, uh, I guess the only other bit of oh wait no we got we got two two more bits of news. Um, first off, I will say do the one that Peter just kindly highlighted for me. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Peter. What would I do without you? Uh, Struggle. Yeah, for real. Um, Academy Board uh, of Governors did their elections this past week. Um, a lot of the same people that were already there, like Lord Dern and, and Steven Spielberg, were just reelected to their represent their individual guilds. Uh, but we did have a few newcomers, most notably uh, uh, Donna Gigliotti uh, for the Executive Producers Guild. Her credits include Beasts of No Nation, Silver Linings Playbook, Hidden Figures, and 
Her first film, of course, was Shakespeare in Love, so we cannot escape the shadow of Harvey Weinstein even now. Uh, we yeah. never will, <laughs> ever. But, like, quick spot, like, quick shout out. Like, if, if people have not seen Beasts of No Nation yet, go see that movie. Yeah, yeah, that's that, a that great film. That is a gem of a film, and they made it on no money from a first-time director. So go see yeah. that. It's from, like, 2011 or something like that. Yeah, that one is uh, very depressing that that film has been as underappreciated as it has been. Um, also, the new Writers Guild rep is Eric Roth, uh, fresh off the success of A Star is Born, which is his latest screen credit, um, and definitely his highest, uh, his, his most notable one that he's done to this point. And then also, last but certainly not least, the one and only Ruth E. Carter is the new representative for the Costumes Guild. Let's just take a moment and give a big round of applause for Ruthie Carter. For real, though. Woo! Like, if you don't know who Ruthie Carter is, uh, she did the costumes for Black Panther. Like, yes. that's that. Yeah, <laughs> she did the she did the costumes and the design for Black Panther. Like, that woman is incredible. Like, She's we should we should worship the ground she walks on. Yeah, we do not deserve to breathe the same air as Ruthie Carter. She not only did she do black panther but she did malcolm x she did selma she did uh she did a bunch of spike lee films from back in the day uh including do do the right thing that was like her breakout film uh i mean my god i spy four brothers against the ropes freaking daddy daycare and uh one of the shaft films i mean she is hugely 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 successful uh and is also the first and to this point, only black woman to win uh, the Academy Award for Best Costume Design. Uh, only one nominated and now the only one to win because she was nominated and then won. Um, yeah, incredible, incredible, incredible person. Very, very excited that she is now on the uh, Academy Board of Governors. She gives the uh, that board some diversity and a breath of fresh air from the old men screaming about how Netflix is coming to take over the world. Uh, not speaking to any one person in particular. <coughs> <coughs> Steven Spielberg. <coughs> <coughs> oh, sorry. Uh. Had to clear my throat there. Um, anyway, finally, last bit of news that we will talk about um, uh, because it is extremely relevant right now with uh, when they see us. Uh, the prosecutor behind the Central Park 5 case... <coughs> There's my dog making a cameo here towards the end of the episode. Uh, the prosecutor uh, from the Central Park Five case, Linda Fairstein, has been very has been uh, has, she's she's had better weeks uh, in the past few weeks. Um, she yep. yeah she got what she lost her book deal. She was she dropped from she was on a, a EP of Law and Order, wasn't she? Was she being dropped from Law and Order? I mean, she... uh, no, 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 no. Um, Law and Order um, was uh, the, the character of uh, oh, uh, uh, Mar- Mariska Haggerty's character from Law and Order was based off her. Okay, okay. Um, well, yeah, she's she's had and and it just came out that she did not consult on when they see us, um, and like she, did, which on the one hand sucks, but on the other hand, she didn't consult with it because. Uh, she because she didn't want to consult if they were gonna if when they see us was going to also consult the Central Park Five. So I don't care because you're just dumb. Like 
<laughs> I I don't feel bad at all that you didn't get a voice in this if you weren't going to talk. Uh, if if Ava DuVernay was also going to talk to the Central Park Five, um, Pierre, I don't know if you have a differing opinion than I do. Uh, no, no. Uh, but so so the other story that's uh, relating to to when they see us this week is that. Um, the other prosecutor, um, or one of the other prosecutors from the from from the case, um, Elizabeth Letterer, um, was forced to resign from her her post as a uh, professor at at, uh, at Columbia University. Um, yeah, so oh, the prosecutor Elizabeth Letterer. Yeah, that's Vera yeah. Farmiga's character. Yeah, that's Vera Farmiga's character. So she she had a she she was working as a professor at Columbia at Columbia Law, and um, black students were like, yeah, no. We don't no, want no, you no. anymore. Yeah, we're not okay with this, and she was forced to resign because they had enough of a backlash that they're like, no. So, so yeah. So Linda Ferristein, yep, she lost a lot this week, and then the prosecutor is letter. She also was forced to resign from 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 her position as a law professor. Um, yeah, and, it's the story is yeah. pretty is pretty damning on both of them. Uh, I I mean not in defense of uh, Elizabeth Letterer, but uh, Ava did give us a scene where Elizabeth Letterer goes to Linda Fairstein and is like, "Hey, you know what we're doing is wrong, right? Like, I don't think we should keep doing this." And Linda Fairstein's like, "No, we're doing this." Like, it was a very, it was it it was to me in the whole show it was the most damning scene for Linda Fairstein. Uh, yeah, exactly. While, yeah. But yeah, so I don't I don't care. She could Linda Fairstein can can go into the shadows and live off the millions I'm sure she already has and will be able to keep because Yeah, that she'll is, be fine. She's not yeah. missing out on things. Yeah, I part of me part of me feels a, a little bad for Letterer, but only because they gave her that one scene in the series yeah. to make her look like kind of sympathetic. Like, yeah, like they still let her out be like this she, is like, her she job. Still went through it and, yeah. and she did her job, but like at the same like so they, so they but they, but they made her sympathetic for for a moment because like she realized it wasn't the best thing, she realized it wasn't right, but she still went along with it. So yeah. like, part of me feels a little conflicted, but at the same time, like I'm sure I'm sure she her. can. They just kind of encouraged her to resign. Yeah, it, it's not a great thing. It's yeah. I'm sure she can live yeah. off of the millions that she's already made as well. So yeah, she'll, but for... she, she, she's she's fine as well. I'm I, I'm I'm glad that the students acted and the students were like we don't feel comfortable with this. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's really great. Um, it's so bad for Linda Fairstein right now, though. That uh, just reading this, that Glamour magazine published an op-ed expressing regret over bestowing Fairstein with one of the magazine's Women of the Year prizes in 1993. <laughs> <laughs> you you know you are down in the dumps when <laughs> a magazine feels the need to be like, "Hey guys, we're sorry, we screwed this one up." Back, you know, almost 30 years ago, like my B. <laughs> but yeah, it is, I mean, I, I'm only halfway through the show, but uh, the the, fir- the first two episodes deal with the initial uh, framing slash uh, trial of the Central Park Five. And it is bad for Ferristine. She's very much painted as just, uh, I don't give... I don't I don't care at all about these people. I just want for us white folk to feel like we had justice for this white woman. And I don't care if we're if we're taking five innocent men down the process. Like 
it's bad. And and they her language, I mean, you hear a lot of the 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 ties to to now. Uh I mean the 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 how she frames the Central Park 5 with the uh with her task force and with her and with uh um what's her name with um uh, Elizabeth Letterer. Um it's very much you feel the the ties to now, but it's I mean it's it's bad. Uh and yeah, she needs to fade into mediocrity and never to be heard from again. Uh, yeah, for real. But yeah, so but the show's great and it's definitely Ava DuVernay at her very, 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 very best. Um I can't wait to finish it. I'll hopefully be able to watch another episode tonight. Uh I think I think I think I tweeted out uh like uh, like two weeks ago or something like that when I when I was first watching that and, and I was still watching Chernobyl and, and I sent out a tweet that was uh, it said something to the effect of in a year that should have been Game of Thrones year like it should have been the year that Game of Thrones just dominated everything and people would just not stop talking about it and there should have been that the two most talked about series are two historical period dramas about like n- n- neglect and 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 hubris and like the, the system failing like in in a year where it should have been the biggest fantasy series in the world it's like nah 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 here's a five episode miniseries and here's a four episode miniseries like yeah. those are things that everyone's talking about and i think that's awesome like chernobyl and when they see us are they're gonna rack up all the awards they're gonna get all the accolades well and you well say that deserved. you say that i i it's i don't know i I feel like because all all three of these we'll we'll get into this we we have a little bit of time we're we're not at an hour yet um the all three of these shows beat the cutoff for the Emmys this year correct they're all gonna uh, but they're not gonna be competing with each other because um, what two of them two, are minis. two of them will be Ch- Cherno- Chernobyl and, and when they um, see us will be competing but yeah they'll be competing Game of Thrones will not be competing at yeah time. so Game of Thrones will still win every award imaginable for this final season which um, is dumb but I mean like but I like even if it still does like the highlight of the night will still be all the categories devoted to miniseries or or limited series runs like no one's going to care if Game of Thrones wins because everyone knows the final season was largely crap. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what everyone's going to be talking about is basically the showdown between these two shows. Like, When They See Us and, and Chernobyl. Like, it's going to be a... It's going to be a year for... It's going to be a year for those, which I think that's awesome. Yeah, the only the only thing about Game of Thrones I'm going to be sad about is when uh, we have another year where Len, Lena Headley does not win... Uh, any any accolades for easily the best performance in that show from I would I'll just say from anyone I th- I think she's better than Peter Dinklage because by like season five or whatever Peter Dinklage was just playing himself. Uh, nah, I think Sophie Turner was actually the best this season. Well, yeah, because Lena Headley had nothing to do. She's like she in, literally like, three stood scenes. in a window and drank yeah. wine. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. she got paid a million dollars an episode. She got paid a million dollars an episode to stand in a window and drink wine. And then not be in what three of the of the six episodes, or something. Exactly, yeah, it's so bad. Like, it, part part of me is like just applauding her. I'm like, yes, yeah, you, at least skin paid. Like skin you worked paid. that. Like just stand in a window and drink wine. You'll get a million dollars. Like ah, she worked that so well. But I will I will say that the 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 best performance of this season from Game of Thrones was Sophie Turner. Like easy hands down. She she owned it. Yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't dispute that, but I, that, that's, 
that's a low bar that you got going there, sport. So it's yeah. Uh, anyway, we we got on a little aside there about TV, but that's about all the news hey, that we TV's have. TV's my thing. Yeah, it is your thing, and we'll be probably talking more about it in the upcoming weeks as the Emmys draw closer and closer. But uh, draw closer, but also, and I think uh, in in sixteen days the new season of Stranger Things drops. So oh boy, uh, you'll definitely be hearing me rave about that in, in like two weeks or so. All right, all right. Real talk for a second, because I don't I don't know. Um, but like. When a when a film gets released in January, I always go, oh boy, like this this film, it, you know, it's the dump it's the dump month. Like nobody cares about films that release in January. Uh, are you feeling that way about Stranger Things when it's coming out this close to the Emmy cutoff? Like, there's no way it's going to get any accolades next year, even if it's the greatest thing ever, because it's just not going to stay in the consciousness for uh, ten and a half months or whatever. I, I mean. that that's tough one i i I don't know um i i think if if they do a good enough job i think it will sustain because the first the the first season dropped in in like september october uh, or august like the first the the very first season also dropped like late in the year it had missed the emmys cut off and people remembered it nine, ten months later, and it like it didn't win, but like it got nominated for things, and it got nominated for a lot of things, and it, it I mean, that was when uh, David Harbor like had his awesome speech at Oh like, yeah, that's right. Like that's that. right, or that's the, right. Or the no, no, the, the it was the, that the was acting Glo- Globes. No, that was at the Globes. He had his Globes. Big, yeah, he and, had his big and speech. And then at the I think it won. I think it won uh, the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, it, it won like the best ensemble um, that year, I think. Um, so, so I mean, yeah. So the first season stayed in the public conscious and and the like the the TV conscience for like a good nine ten months. So I like I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one also managed to do that if if it's good enough. Um, I mean that's uh, that's of course the caveat if it's good enough. But I think I I think people are are connected enough to it uh, and and like generally speaking the quality of the first two seasons has been high enough to warrant uh people like kind of remembering it that long so i wouldn't be surprised if this one also uh sticks around for another nine ten months and it gets remembered next year but to answer my question uh no just in generalities like like yeah something like something like glass will never in a million and a half years ever be nominated for a single award because it came out in january uh like you don't feel that that's the same kind of rule of thumb, like something that gets released right now in June or in July on Netflix or wherever will fade. Like it's not a, it's not a quote unquote dump month for TV. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I, th- I think often it is. Um, the summer is, is often a bit more of a dumping ground for TV as well. Uh, like, I, like I, I'm remembering back to like high school and undergrad there, like, uh, the, the summer was mostly just kind of like, yeah, look at those like teen beach shows or like, <laughs> oh, we have kind of a new like sexy spy something. Oh, they live in a beach house. Cool. Uh, like it, it, it was a bit of a dumping ground. Like there was the occasional show that would that would kind of last. Um, like I know uh, I, I, Monk, Monk usually aired during the summers um, and uh, and and uh, oh, uh, Tony Shalhoub. Uh, the the the, te- the the Emmys the the Television Academy they they love Tony Shalhoub so like he was remembered uh like come awards next year like they were they remembered him and he he won like I want I want to say four 
uh, best actor in a comedy series awards for for playing Monk. Uh, and and those were all a year later. So I mean, generally, yeah, summer's also dumping ground, kind of like January for film. But there there are the occasional show that kind of sneaks by. So like Monk and, and Stranger Things. But generally, yeah, you, you are correct on that. You you mentioned something before about the sexy spy thing, and it just reminded me of this of of, of a trailer that I've been seeing all throughout the NBA finals and NHL finals uh, for this Spectrum TV show, uh, Spectrum on-demand TV show called LA's Finest, which stars uh, Gabriel Union and Jessica Alba. Um, I, oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a Bad Boys like, spinoff. Yeah, Bad Boys, but with, with the two chicks instead of two dudes, I guess. I guess is the premise, yeah. but... Yeah. Well, and the I funny mean, part is that the fun the funny part is that Gabrielle Union was, I think, in Bad Boys too. Like she was the love interest for for Will Smith. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. And you are that is correct. I can answer that one in the affirmative. Um. And Jessica Alba is Jessica Alba. Um. But yeah, just sexy buddy cop TV show that that drops in Jan- uh, in June. Uh. There was a huge marketing push behind it. It currently sits at 5.5 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, which is granted is not a, a, uh, um, uh, a n- number that you should trust. You shouldn't trust anything on IMDb because review bombing is very much a thing on that platform. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I remember watching those trails and just seeing the same trailer over and over and over and over and over again and being like, Ugh. this trailer, yeah. this trailer does not look any better on the 400th viewing than it did on the first viewing. But I think I've only seen seen the trailer once, maybe twice, uh, and, and I was like, you know what? It looks like a mindless summer show that a good number of people are going to watch, but I don't care because it doesn't look great. Yeah, it, look, it looks fine. Like I'm, I'm, I'm again, I'm happy that Gabrielle Union and Jessica Alba are like making their thing, and if they're liking it and getting something out of it, sure. Um, but it does look like what you were just saying, like a summer dump ground show. Like it, it doesn't look like anything to be taken overly serious. It looks like it could go on for like 10 years if it wanted to just to kind of, because it has a devoted fan base, but I, it doesn't look like anything special to me or anything like of, of exceptional quality. It looks fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad that, uh, Jessica Alba's in this cause She's lovely, and I'm looking at her IMDb page, and I don't recognize a single thing on here over the past, like, 10 years that's worth watching. I see sequels to Spy Kids and sequels to Entourage and uh, what was the other one? The other one that was a big wolf. Uh, Where would you go? It was so – oh, the the Sid City sequel that we got back in 2014. Um, All of this is just – a complete random unnecessary aside just like how we started this uh this podcast we will end it with an unnecessary aside uh that's all i got rather than being sad about how wonderful jessica alba is and how she can't get any work because you know hollywood be sexist like that peter do you have any other uh tidbits to add I mean, I absolutely love Jessica Alba's first television series. It's called Dark Angel. It lasts for two seasons and no one remembers it. But I own both seasons on DVD that I got at a used DVD store because <laughs> I'm weird and awesome. It was co-created by James Cameron. Like, wow. There you go. There's a, exactly. Yeah. James Cameron co-created it like uh, like a, a this like grounded, like real world, like future dystopian science fiction series 
starring Jessica Alba, and he did it in like the year two thousand. Um, and I mean, he only directed one episode, and that was the season two finale, which ended up being the finale finale, and it had a massive cliffhanger. But I love that show. It's like got not great dialogue because they're trying to like come up with their own slang, and it was coming out of the nineties when yeah. that was not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, I love that. <laughs> Uh, anything else I got on this? Nah, I think, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think we about covered it. Um, yeah. Hey, some, we ended it on a high note. Trailers and yeah, you, you took it, you took it to a high note there. Yes. That's a great show. And I hope Jessica Alba finds success, uh, here in the turn. You know, yeah, the, the 2010s were not her time. Uh, but the 2020s, it's a, it's a new, it's a new era. So, you know, hopefully she gets it. Uh, because I'm rooting for her. You go, Jessica Alba. You do your thing. And thank you to everyone else <laughs> listening to this podcast that are still listening to us at this point. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Uh, we're, we hope you had fun. We hope it was real. We hope you had a real amounts of fun. <laughs> okay. Good, right. good English this week. Good English. Uh, Nailed and we, look, and we look forward to having Julie. Uh, we look forward to having Julie back next week. Julie is wonderful. Julie is great, and we look forward to having her back next week. And we look forward to seeing you next week. We will see you then. Peace out.